0: That difficult time I had made us better. We trusted each other more as we had to trust each other more. And we were able to just work so efficiently and effectively. It was a it's a memorable time in my life. Excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality. These are the values the Sam M. Walton College of Business explores in education, business, and the lives of people we meet every day. I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Walton College, and welcome to the Be Epic Podcast.
1: Well, I have with me today, Matt Waller. Uh, For this audience, uh, he probably needs absolutely no introduction, uh, but you've been listening to him uh, for some time as the moderator of this podcast. But Matt, as you know, is the outgoing Dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business, has been a professor, at the University of Arkansas for many, many years and uh, has just been a valued member of the community here. So, Matt, thank you for being willing to join me today.
0: Uh, thank you for having me. Um, this is the first time I've been a guest on the Be Epic podcast Yeah, you're, you're taking the, it over.
1: You're on the other side of the uh, of the table. Yep. Um, well, uh, the last eight years that you have been dean, I think it's truly been remarkable for the Walton College. I think the college has gone through in its history, you know, a couple of real transformational periods. Um, but in, you know, being able to be around the Walton College for at least the last 20 years and understand a lot of its history, I I do think that the last eight years that you've been dean has been transformational. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, well, one, and so I want to I get to some of the highlights. But You know, I was thinking that this audience with you as the moderator may not have really gotten to hear your story. Um, So, I mentioned, you know, you've been a faculty here, but you've also been a founder. You're clearly an entrepreneur. So, maybe tell us a little bit about your background.
0: Sure. Well, when I came here in 1994, I came as a visiting assistant professor. That means I had a job for a year, essentially. Didn't know exactly what I was going to do after that, um, but I, um, after I moved here, well, even before I moved here, I had been following what was going on with Walmart and the suppliers moving to town, and I remember even when I was a doctoral student at Penn State, I read an article about Walmart. I think this would have been in 1989. I can't remember. Somewhere around there. Uh, I read an article about Walmart sharing point of sale data with Procter & Gamble, and they were planning on rolling it out to all of their suppliers. So that means sales data by store, by day, uh, on-hand inventory, many other variables. And I got to thinking about it. And you know part of this story really well. I I was very fortunate at Penn State. I had some amazing classes and professors. I really did, um, and they were just leaders in their fields and research. But in one of the classes, um, it was a economics, like an advanced economics class, microeconomics class. We read a paper. Um, I think it was called something like uh, Information Substitutes for Inventory. And it was just the idea that the the more information you have, the less inventory you really need. Because inventory can help. You still need some because you can economize by having more uh, inventory. Anyway, I won't go into all of it, but you don't need as much safety stock. In other words, if you knew exactly what was going to happen then you could just have that, that amount of inventory and you'd satisfy demand. You may still have some cycle stock for economizing on the inventory, uh, transportation, for example. But I thought, okay, this makes sense. Walmart would share this information to substitute for inventory. And in retail, inventory is so critical. It's like... You can't live with it, and you can't live without it. Mm-hmm. If you have too much inventory, your return on assets is going to go down. Your return, on, And that will affect your stock price. If, and you'll also have more inventory going bad. If you have not enough inventory, you're going to miss sales. And you may miss the margin on those sales. You may have customers leave the store. Eventually, you may lose the customer altogether. And um, I believe, based on my research that uh, and, and experience, that it's part of the reason Kmart failed. Mm-hmm. You know, Kmart, Walmart, and Target all started in 1962. And Walmart just grew so fast, it's unbelievable. And I won't go into all of this, but I remember, so before I came here, Kmart was bigger than Walmart. Mm-hmm. Yet, again, through some of them, I took a class in, um, and we didn't talk necessarily about Walmart specifically, but I would happen to find articles on it. But we talked about uh, economies of scope and economies of scale and how you build your network. And, um, you know, the Walmart idea of using distribution centers close to stores was a unique idea you know, the competitors to Walmart would just put stores in the best location and Walmart would say, let's build the stores within a certain distance of a distribution center because by having them close, you can have um, a shorter lead times to the store, meaning you need less inventory, safety stock in the stores. Um, but you can also have full truckloads to the stores, heterogeneous truckloads. I won't go on and on about all this stuff, but my point is the seed had been planted for Northwest Arkansas. Hmm. And I kept reading more about what was going on here and I was fascinated by it. But I also talked to my doctoral peers. I would talk to my professors about it. They knew very little about it. I knew more about Walmart than they did. But I was always using Walmart as an example of what I was learning. And Walmart again, you know, you could argue well Okay, great. They're in a small part of the country. Um, They're probably not going to do very well, Mm -hmm. given where they are, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But once the economies of scale kicked in, Walmart blew past everybody. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Walmart is really good at pivoting, uh, which is a whole other story. Um, So when I first came here, I was very fortunate – I got to have lunch with Lee Scott, who was executive vice president of logistics for Walmart. I had no idea he was going to become the CEO. Uh, but we had a long lunch, and he agreed to, he got me involved in a project at Walmart. Uh, and I, my co-author was a industrial engineering professor, and we worked on this cool optimization problem. And I got to know a bunch of people there and loved it. Mm. Uh, And I won't go on and on, but I've always been involved with Walmart to some degree and the vendors and the carriers. And Mm. so my knowledge of the retail value chain just kept going up because I kept, I started doing lots of research in it. I I did research in, you know, on the intersection of merchandising and logistics and uh, lots of other areas. But um, so I, I came here, and there was only I had a year, and um, I met some business people, some retired people from Walmart, and there were four of them, and we started a consulting firm. Early on in my time here, uh, it doesn't exist anymore, but it was called Bentonville Associates, which is a cool name, mm-hmm. Do you know. Yeah uh it 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 signals what it is pretty quickly mm-hmm. and within the first year we i think we did 650,000 dollars year 1 and we had no overhead mm-hmm. and we we didn't even have to rent the space because one of my partners owned the first you know major office park here botaire Um, and so we used space there. We even used his admin. (laughs) So, I mean, it was, you know, that's the thing about Walmart. Um, they think let's do things efficiently. Mm -hmm. And it was a good lesson for me in life. Mm -hmm. I I live that way personally, um, as you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, but I thought, wow, it makes so much sense. You can make better decisions when you're frugal. You're not dependent on every dollar, you know. You mm-hmm. can say, "Let's do what's best." Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I, uh, Doyle Williams was dean at the time, and he was an unbelievably good dean, great dean.
1: I think he was the other period of transformation, by the way. Oh
0: my gosh, he was <clears throat> remarkable. And I was fortunate in that, similar to you, he let me get involved in things I had no business being involved in. Um, including the first gift, the big gift we got from the Walton Family um, Charitable Support Foundation, the fifty million dollars that resulted in us being the Walton College of Business, I got involved in that process a little bit early on, and I was an assistant professor. So I did. Doyle. The other thing is, Doyle believed in me, hmm. and so he took a position, an existing position, from the finance department, and moved it to the marketing department because we didn't have our own department back then it was marketing and transportation and um and i got that position
1: you know uh, i don't know that i've thought about this matt uh but it's kind of a funny story doyle believed in you and found a position and made it happen and i don't know if you remember this uh when i was transitioning from the master's program to the phd program there was not a slot for me uh and you believed in me and you had to go find that slot and made it happen. I've never thought about the parallel between those stories.
0: Boy, that's true. And I had to go to another department. I actually went to um, – well, I had to do a bunch of things. But one, one thing was funding. And so Bill Hardgrave, who's now the president of the University of Memphis, was uh, running the RFID lab. And there was a project we were working on, and I said, hey, could we fund this doctoral student? Mm-hmm. And he said, absolutely. He's mm-hmm. a great guy to collaborate with.
1: Well, Bill reminded me of that many years ago uh, when I was at Auburn and told him I was coming to Arkansas. Uh, he was my dean at Auburn, and he reminded me of that story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, and gets, this gets back to this <laughs> concept of being frugal, too. Okay, we didn't have enough resources for it, but we figured out how to make it work. I think that sometimes being a little scarce on resources teaches you to be more creative, more innovative, more entrepreneurial, Mm -hmm. you know. And boy, when I look at, you know, the resources we have today compared to what we had then, it's so different. I remember... As a new professor here, there used to be this rule that, so we have the University of Arkansas Fort Smith, but it used to be called West Ark Community College. And there was some rule that we had to teach an MBA class there every year, at least one per year. And I had the fortune of being selected because I was the newbie. I think I did it while I was a visiting assistant professor, yeah, and so I had to teach this course in Fort Smith. And back then we didn't have I-49. And the road was very dangerous. And I taught it on Monday nights from 6 to 10. 6 to 10. And you know, Brent, I'm a morning person. I'm in bed by 9 o'clock. And so I had to drive down this really dangerous road. And I found out later it was the sixth most dangerous road in the United States based on deaths per mile per year. Hmm. And I was and, and so I was struggling. You know, I'd, I'd teach, and it took a long time. Now it's pretty quick to get to Fort Smith, but back mm-hmm. then it took a long, it was a long drive. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: well, I mean, quite a departure, you know, from where the Walton College is and the, um, you, you know, the, I guess, and you've, you've been a huge part of finding ways to, I think you have infused an entrepreneurial spirit into into us as a college that I think existed, but you really helped to accelerate that. And you know, when you look back over the last eight years um, that you've served as dean, and while I know hard at times, I truly believe you've loved it and given it absolutely everything you had. Uh, what are some of the highlights that really stand out to you during that period?
0: Well, that's a good good question. Um... I'm going to bring up one that's very personal um, and it shows the importance of having a good team. So you were an associate dean, Anna-Larry Kelly, uh, Alan Elstrand um, and we had Tanya um, and and the whole team and in 2017 I was uh, diagnosed with colorectal cancer that had spread and yeah, it didn't look good. Um, I had to go through radiation and chemo in the fall, in the, uh, fall, spring of uh, 17, surgeries in um, the summer of 17, more chemo in the fall, and then a final surgery in November of 2017. And, um, you know, when I was, I had only been dean for two years by that point. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I talked to some people and they said, "Matt, you're gonna, you're gonna really feel tired after the chemo and the radiation, week. And I thought, "Oh my gosh, because you're right. I love, I loved being dean and I loved create, being an entrepreneurial dean and being um, starting new things and growing them." Um, and I thought, "Well, I'm not gonna have the energy for that," you know, and. Um, But so I started thinking about delegating more. So this was a great lesson for me, but it's a lesson to anyone, the importance of delegation. Okay, so I had to delegate a bunch of stuff to my entire team because I thought that I was going to be weak and not be able to operate fully. And, and of course, I was in the hospital for a month uh, in Dallas, and and you and and then I was in in the hospital for ten days in Northwest Arkansas uh, in November, I think or October, uh, no November, um, but but um, I delegated all this work to you all, and it turns out I didn't have as bad a reaction to the radiation and chemo as a lot of people do, and I was able to function quite well. I. Mm-hmm. I worked every day. I never missed one day of work due to chemo and radiation, at least in the spring. Now, in the fall there was one exception where I did. But, um, you know, we got a lot done in 2017 um, and um, I wouldn't have got as much done had I not delegated. Hmm. So my sickness forced me to delegate, but that delegation wouldn't have worked if I wouldn't have had a good team. Mm-hmm. So people that are listening to this, I can say one leadership takeaway that I've learned is build a great team and delegate to them and don't micromanage them.
1: Well, and, and I think maybe that connects to, you know, what I would have added to that, which was empowerment. You know, uh, so when I think about being a part of that, Um, one, we were a close team Uh, in a really short period of time. We had bonded and were all on the same page and all understood the mission and what we were trying to accomplish. Uh, But I think Ann and Alan uh, would agree with me that we all felt empowered and um, we felt empowered to make decisions. We felt supported when we made those decisions, even if they weren't right. Uh, And there's absolutely no doubt that we I'm sure, made mistakes and might have made decisions that you wouldn't have made. But I think that, boy, that period really created trust, um, and it it just gave us more bandwidth uh, in a really short period of time that seemed to launch us into that next phase, even though it came from, you know, something terrible.
0: Well, that's right, and I was really sad about it Because I probably get too much of my identity from my job um, and at my accomplishments. You know, I thrive in that and probably too much. But I was so sad when this diagnosis came, I was not scared. Hmm. Even though I had heard I may have only a 10% chance of living five years, that didn't scare me as much as the thought of not being able to do a good job Hmm. by far. And I was sad for a long time. And so once I started getting the radiation and chemo, I realized, oh, I can do okay. I'd already delegated a bunch (laughs) of stuff. Um, And I was supposed to be in the hospital for three days in June of that year, and I wound up being there a month. Thank goodness I delegated. And you really took the ball and ran with the McMillan studio. Uh, we had already had the gift, but you you know we got that going. Uh, we got the Brewer hub up and running that year. Um, we got um, a seven million dollar gift for the supply chain policy initiative. Uh, we got the online accounting degree created, uh, the online undergraduate supply chain management degree, and then the next year, you know, the blockchain center of excellence mm-hmm. was started which was terrific. And we started the Dean's Roundtable of Entrepreneurs and Market Makers. Um, And then we got the uh, Walton College at uh, Second and Main going. Uh, We got another million dollar gift from Doug and Shelley McMillan. And then things just started rocketing from there. That's, I really think 2020 is when all of the fruit of that started being manifested. Because mm. in 2020, we started a brand new department, the Department of Strategy, Entrepreneurship, and Venture Innovation, which has been great. Um, the Supply Chain Undergraduate Program got ranked no- number one in North America by Gartner. Um, the Diller, the, the, the accounting department got n- endowed with a $10 million gift, the William Diller Department of Accounting. We created the Master of Science in Economic Analytics, the Master of Professional Accounting, Master of Applied Business Analytics, Master of Supply Chain Management, Master of Science in Finance. We started the Business Integrity Leadership Initiative with um, Cindy Mooring, who used to be the Chief Ethics Officer at Walmart for 20 years. Uh, We started the uh, uh, Supply Chain Hall of Fame in Rogers, uh, the uh, And we got a gift from J.B. Hunt for uh, 2.2 million. All of that really happened in 2020, but it was based on work that had already really been done. It just came to fruition Mm -hmm. then. And I do think you're right, that that difficult time I had made us better. We trusted each other more because we had to trust each other more. And we were able to just work so efficiently and effectively it was a, it's a memorable time in my life hmm. this doesn't happen much in leadership teams there's very few times throughout history where you get to experience that kind of productivity as a team really
1: uh, i i couldn't agree more you're right and um and, and then you get that really creates joy out of the work it does you know um so, as Dean, you know, when I think back to what you just read us, um, I mean, there truly was an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial, um, I guess, mindset uh, that was really at hand. And in doing that, I think that it wasn't about us, it was about really serving our stakeholders, right? Absolutely. It was about bettering our students, it was about getting them. Better jobs and helping them succeed in life and then you know it's about serving our state better by bringing expertise Uh, it, it truly was about building things that built up our stakeholders
0: well you know the entrepreneurial mindset really it's about saying what are the problems out there and how can we overcome those problems And if you look at what we did over the past eight years as a team we focused on that we see an issue we try to address it. And we don't, I mean, you look at all these things we did, we didn't have the resources to do it, but we did it. Mm-hmm. And it generated more resources than we could have ever imagined.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, the budget of the college has just grown you know, dramatically and we're contributing back to the university a lot of mm-hmm. resources as well.
1: Yeah, a virtuous cycle. It um, is. Well, so let me switch gears to the podcast. Uh, you know, you've had, uh, you've had some dedicated listeners uh, for the last several years. And I think uh, that um, as of your last podcast, um, I think it's around 240 episodes, if not maybe a touch more. So, you know, for those that have been dedicated listeners following along... What has the podcast experience been for you? Why did you think it was so important because you've clearly dedicated a lot of your time and resources to it. but I think it's made a tremendous impact for expanding the reach of the college.
0: First of all, there's no other dean of a business school that has 240 podcasts. So I you know we our college podcast episodes. Usually universities and deans or whoever start them and they quit or they start them and then hand it off to someone else. Um, I felt it was important to stick with it and I'm glad you want to do it Mm -hmm. uh, and continue it Um, because if you think about it, one of the most important variables in leadership is setting the direction of whatever entity it is, uh, gaining alignment of people, motivating people. And the podcast can do that in so many different ways. Um, you know, you, you wind up, um, of course, I have talked to faculty, staff, alumni, and other people. Sometimes I read a book and I think, I really like this and so I call the author and, say, can I interview you for this book? I've done that maybe four or five times, maybe more than that. Um, But um, with alumni, and not just alumni, but people somehow who might be related to the college in some way, or should be related, it forms a bond between between them and the college Mm -hmm. when they finally do a podcast. Mm -hmm. And then me, um, as the dean, I, I've actually had people ask me, you know, why don't you just have someone else do the podcast rather than you? And the answer is, I'm the leader of the college. I, I'm the one that takes responsibility for boundary spanning mm-hmm. and for sense making. Mm-hmm. And boundary spanning and sense making are two important functions of a leader. And so, in a way. This allows me to span the boundaries, Mm -hmm. but it also allows me to um, make sense, to Mm -hmm. to engage in sense-making. I hear something, and in the podcast, I'll start talking about how it relates to the college. And so people say, oh, that's how it relates to the college. Mm -hmm. And I think as you know, we've actually had, I remember a few years ago, there was a student who was a freshman at KU. And he started listening to our podcast. KU, University of Kansas, and he thought, there's more going on at Arkansas and the Walton College than I'm seeing going on here. No offense to KU, but uh, this, I, this is what he said, and he switched. Hmm. His sophomore year, he was here in the Walton College. He's graduated.
1: As dean, you're certainly the chief executive, um, but I, I think in, in watching you in the role, um, you also served as chief learner. Uh, for the college and I think that this podcast was probably a way for you to learn uh, from more than 240 people
0: I've learned something from every podcast some podcasts I've learned a lot and one thing I noticed when you do a podcast recording interview of someone you remember more content than if you just have a discussion with someone Mm. At least that's been true for me. It anchors it in your brain. Mm-hmm. And so then when you see them the next time, you remember all of this content, and it allows you to connect to them better. But it also has actually made me start, some of the initiatives I've started in part have been a result of things I've learned through the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you learn things that people don't want public um, there's been times I've interviewed faculty, staff, students, alumni, and I'll say, let me tell you something, Matt. I'm not going to say this on the podcast, but I've been wanting to tell you this. Mm-hmm. So it gives people a opportunity to share things with you that they wouldn't normally share. And I think that the fact that you're inviting someone to be on the podcast, it starts it shows that you know, trust has three components. And one component is that you have the person's best interest in mind, and um, that component, like if you if you if you have someone on as a, to interview them, it shows you care about them to some mm. degree, or you wouldn't have them on. So trust starts building as a result of that.
1: Mm. Well, I'm I'm excited to keep the podcast going. I think it's very important. And um, I look forward to meeting all the future guests and learning from them. This is a tremendous opportunity for me. So thank you for making it a reality. And I know for those of us that have been dedicated listeners, we've all learned uh, from you and from your guests. So um, here's a question that uh, I, I think you we've... Got to be of interest uh, to those that have followed you and followed uh, the podcast. Well, so you've been dean for eight years. Uh, well, one, um, why are you going back to faculty? And uh, But, you know, after you explain that, tell us a little bit more about what's in your plans. Sure.
0: So, um, you know, I believe in rotational leadership. There's this concept called rotational leadership. And I've encouraged it in our college. I like to take people out of positions they're comfortable in after a few years and put them somewhere else. Um, I mean, amongst the associate deans, we've mixed up all kinds of things. Um, but I do think, you know, it's like for department chairs. I don't think department chairs should be in that position for 10, more than 10 years for sure. Eight years is probably enough. Now there's some cases where you need to keep them going. Um, So I wanna say this, and I've said this publicly before, if you were not wanting to be dean, I wouldn't step down right now. Because even though I think it's better for me to rotate out, I wouldn't do it unless I knew there was someone really good to take my place. And in your case, I think you will excel as dean. I think you're gonna take us to new levels. Thank you. Um, I wouldn't step down right now. Now, uh, and usually they don't let deans be a part of the search process to replace them, which I think is a mistake. Um, Who else, I mean, you definitely want the input of the sitting dean or the former dean. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't understand that at all, but um, but that's what I would do. Um, and um, But you're ready, there's no question in my mind. And I've used a lot of, my entrepreneurial spirit has been important during this phase. I think you bring things that I don't have um, that we need. And I think that, uh, and I know that you, you do because I've worked with you for 20 years, so I know what your strengths are. Um, and i think it's time for a change i've given my best to this organization mm-hmm. but i'm also a little bit like that i i prefer new things mm-hmm. now and then this i'm if you would have asked me year one do you think you'll stay in this job for 8 years i would have said no
1: i would have agreed with that knowing you 8 years ago
0: yeah i it's just not me to do that i've i've been very loyal to the university i've stayed here for 30 years but Coming in 1994, I quickly, you you know I'm a very loyal person, and um, it would be hard for me to leave the University of Arkansas. Hmm. All my friends are here. Um, I mean, I know so many people in all the colleges of our campus. Um, We have lots of wonderful people, and especially, of course I know a lot of people in the Walton College, um, and I wouldn't want to leave. It's just not in me. I've had lots of opportunities to do so, but I would feel, I just wouldn't feel good about it at this point. i This is my university that, that I'm hmm. a part of. And this is my college. Um, and uh, so that's part of the reason I think it's time for me to leave. Um, I also think I can help Northwest Arkansas and the state As a professor, more than I can as dean now. I've got, I've become aware of some things. I'll share some ideas of what's going on.
1: I was about to say, for most, that's probably a counterintuitive um, statement. Um, I believe it's true. I understand for you why it may be true, but share a little more.
0: Sure. And um, so I want to say this um, over the next year, As I continue to prepare for teaching, and I'm already doing research again. By the way, I was way behind on research. I had no pipeline, and I just remember. I just noticed the other day. I've got to be careful now because I've got like seven major projects (laughs) going. Uh, But I do. I you know um, if you look at if you look at uh, professors by citations on Google Scholar. I'm in the top 20 at the University of Arkansas. Um, I wanna maintain that. Um, I want, I'm, I'm 58, I'm gonna turn uh, 59 in August. Um, I hope to be able to be a great contributor for at least 10 more years, maybe 12, maybe maybe till I'm 70 or 71 or 72, I don't know. But tell me, Brent, when I'm, when I'm doing terrible in the classroom, I hope you tell me to leave. Um, but my goal is to be one of the top researchers in the Walton College and in the, the country in supply chain management. And I, having been dean, I've seen it all. I actually know how to do it now. I did I, I did pretty well before, but I know way more about how to do it now. And I'm young enough to where I can still do it.
1: There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that uh, you will be uh, tremendous in the faculty role, and I'm thrilled that you've chosen to stay uh, as a faculty member in the Walton College of Business. I I know you're going to do some other things uh, too. What's what's in what's in the works uh, yeah. to to really drive the you know you mentioned continuing to advance Northwest Arkansas and the state of Arkansas, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know I think. Um, so appealing to me to hear you say that
0: I will um, I want to talk about an elephant in the room before I get on to that okay and the elephant is many people know I applied to be Chancellor and I didn't get it um, and I just want to say this and I mean it I'm not Brent knows this and people who work with me know this I'm glad I didn't get it <laughs> I mean this is not a way of just dealing with something there was a part of me that was disappointed. I was ready for something new and I thought I had some ideas that could really advance the the university. Actually, some of the things I did at the college I wanted to do at the university. It would have been very hard to do but but I think I fully support Charles. He's doing a great job and Terry. uh, I'm behind them and I will help them. If they call upon me for help, I'll be there. Mm -hmm. There's no sour grapes. Um, I'm, really blessed in that it's just not a part of my wiring. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the reasons why I've been a successful entrepreneur. I can tr- try something, and if it doesn't work, I can go on to the next thing and I don't dwell on it. I yes. go to the next thing. I didn't become chancellor, I was not selected. I don't think I did as good a job in the interview process as my competitors did. Um, I'm not sure that I even have the background necessary for it, so I'm thankful. And now that I've had quite a few months, I I guess almost a year since I found out I wasn't in the running, I have discovered, wow, the opportunities are unbelievable. Uh, I mean, I've always, you know Brent, I've always, at the university, as a professor, you're allowed to do one day per week outside of the university of consulting Mm -hmm. or working with industry or whatever. And, I, and we have to fill out a conflict of interest form and come up with a plan and fill out an outside employment form if that's necessary. And I've done it every year I've been here. Um, I've always been engaged. And there's many summers I took. no Most of them are the summers uh, uh, before I was an administrator, I took no compensation because I wanted to be fully outside. And I did. And in fact, I took a leave of absence one semester with Bentonville Associates. I left the university for a few years, Mm -hmm. gave up my tenure because of Mercari Technologies, my software company, Mm -hmm. came back in 2002. Um, So I am an entrepreneur. I've got things going on already. Um, And I'm very blessed with my network, um, which is off the charts incredible. Now, one thing I'm doing, again, um, that I think will help this will be announced more fully soon um, but uh, you know we've got lots of entrepreneur support organizations in northwest Arkansas we have the big companies here have venture arms we have a few venture capital companies, we've got some private equity companies we've got seed funding going on mm-hmm. and we have small businesses mm-hmm. and um So I'm going to be helping uh, bring focus to companies that fall into the retail value chain in Mm -hmm. Northwest Arkansas. We're gonna do this through um, the Northwest Arkansas Council, but I'm gonna be leading that through the council. Um, That is, all these organizations, Plug and Play and many others, are engaged in these things, but There's no one that is bringing a focus to it. But if you look at it, Hmm. there's nothing in Northwest Arkansas or the state of Arkansas, in my opinion, that has more brand equity, more talent than the retail value chain. That includes logistics, supply chain, retail, CPG, and technology associated with that. That's been my career here too Mm -hmm. it's been my research it's been my teaching it's been my companies my consulting everything's been kind of in the retail value chain for Matt Waller Uh, now what I want to do is try to help the region develop it further and I'm blessed in that I can do it now well Matt
1: Um, at the beginning of the podcast, I should have introduced you as a force for good because (laughs) I uh, believe that to be true. And um, I'm excited for your future uh, because you are going to be a force for good in the region. uh, Well, one in your family, like you have uh, your entire life uh, and with your friends, this region, this state, and I actually think the world. uh, And in doing so, in, in your alignment with our strategy as a college, our strategic areas of focus, retail, supply chain management, analytics, entrepreneurship. Everything you're doing is completely aligned with the strategy of the Walton College. And as a faculty member doing all these things, you're going to shine a great light on us and reflect so well on the college. So I'm excited for your future. And, you know, I've got to say, I think uh, I get an opportunity to thank you. I thank you on behalf of me uh, for what you've done for me personally, for this college over the last eight years and really your whole career. And, and I thank you on behalf of this faculty and staff, because I think every one of them would thank you if they were sitting in this chair. I just get to be the one that says it. And, uh, and thank you on behalf of uh, all of our alumni in our state. Uh, you've done an amazing job as dean. And we're thankful uh, that you're going to continue to be a part of the Walton College business.
0: That's very encouraging. I appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. Thanks. On behalf of the Sam and Walton College of Business, I want to thank everyone for spending time with us for another engaging conversation. You can subscribe by going to your favorite podcast service and searching be epic b e e p i c.